Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get it started in here. And the bass keeps running, running, and running. Five Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Roz, here at the opening line on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? If so, it's time to get started. Let's go. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the opening line with your host, Roz and Wits. I didn't like that. I just uh, I tried switching it up there, Wits, going Roz first. I wasn't feeling it. Um, before I let you get involved with the show, since we are co hosts here. We do have to start with the, the opening line of the day, and that is we were absolutely wrong when it came to our NBA Finals preview last week. And we're going we're gonna to address this, but wait, this is one of our lower sports talk points we've been at. Yeah, we were we were so focused on the Finals, um, calling it the Bucks and the Warriors, that I don't, I don't think we talked about the Raptors for more than two or three minutes. But here we are, Raptors rattle off four straight against the Bucks, and it's funny, Roz, Look at the Bucks, lost back-to-back games only one time this year. They managed to lose four in a row after taking a 2-0 series lead. Um, so, yeah, we're going to call a spade a spade. We were the first ones to say that we were dead wrong. Um, and now we set up, which looks like a pretty interesting NBA Finals here with Kawhi Leonard, uh, you got Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Danny Green. Um, can they make things inter- interesting, Roz? They're a plus-230 favorite right now. To take down the Warriors, Warriors are minus 280. Um, what do you think about the Raptors here? Right. Um, before we get into the Raptors, because they definitely deserve uh, no, my pick. No Raptors love. We're still the, off. We, right. We definitely have to show them some love this episode. But to be fair, because you did just mention this, that we looked way ahead to the finals. Has that not been the uh, recipe for the NBA, though, over the last five seasons? Like, we, we don't really care much about the regular season. We kind of know what's going to happen in the postseason. Uh, so I just assumed. I, we knew the Warriors were going to be there, like they were. And then Giannis and the Bucks. that has to go down as an epic collapse. I know it was 2-2, but like you said, they lost four in a row. So in a sense, it was still the collapse. They were up 2-0 and honestly could not put it back together. Or, since we want to give some love to the Raptors, was Kawhi just that good, or is Kawhi really that amazing of a player? Like, where he is considered a top two player in the league because he played like it, and he has ushered this Raptors team all the way to this point into the NBA Finals, where we didn't even think they were going to be a week ago. Who's it more on, the Bucks or Kawhi Leonard? That's that's a great point. Uh, I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard here. As much hate as we've given him on this show, and even. Back to the Sporting Edge days, um, you know, that, that Kawhi Leonard situation with the Spurs, I think, really rubbed us both the wrong way. I still don't really know the story. But now, you know, looking back after a year, what he's done for this Raptors team, you know, making their first trip to the NBA Finals, it's been 
spectacular. And he's been, I, th- I think, the best player in these NBA playoffs so far. I give a lot of credit to Steph Curry. He's been unbelievable as well. But just how great Kawhi Leonard played in this series versus the Bucks, in which they were down 2-0, and it looked like they were going to get you know swept off the floor by the Bucks. I've got to give it to Kawhi here. Um, this was, I thought, a big collapse by the Bucks, and maybe we were a little bit early there with the LeBron Giannis comparisons with that eight straight NBA Finals. But Kawhi so Leonard, it's too soon to ask you if Kawhi has those, uh, can have those comparisons now. <laughs> I, I think it's too soon. I don't think we should make those comparisons anymore because I, I don't think we're going to see that again. But this was this was an awfully exciting series, especially in Game Six where it looked like the Bucks were gonna were gonna steal a game there. Um, but the Raptors, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, they're they're really firing on all cylinders. And I think this should be an interesting NBA Finals, especially with Durant on the shelf right now, you know, traveling for game one. Um, and I know, you know, there's the arguments, is Golden State just as good, you know, without Durant on the floor? They're, they're pretty damn good either way, any way you want to put it. But, I mean, the Raptors, this has been a phenomenal season by them. And I think you got to got to give a lot of credit to Kawhi, a lot of credit to the GM for all the moves that he's made. Uh, the past couple of years, you know, firing Dwayne Casey, who was the you know returning coach of the year. I mean, you don't you don't really see that too often, but you know, here we are, Raptors making their first NBA Finals appearance. Um, so I, I think you got to say that things worked out. Yeah, I mean, and then look at Drake. Drake is uh, the number one super fan, and he should get a little credit. I mean, I can't believe you're going to leave him out. I mean, personally, I think he really got in Giannis's head. Giannis, not a guy who. Is confrontational. You haven't seen a whole lot of that in the NBA from him and from other players towards him. So I think he's a little shook. He's going to come back. He'll be fine. He'll do his due diligence this offseason and will be ready for next year's uh, long and uh, not needed regular season. But you're right. Congratulations to the Raptors. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, to me, really just showcased how amazing he is. Two ways. I mean, defensively, he's the reason why Giannis, if it weren't for Drake, for Giannis's big collapse. I mean, he shut down Giannis ever since game three, or game four, I apologize, when he switched on to Giannis and started guarding him. It just went downhill from there for the for the Milwaukee Bucks. And again, we just kind of talked about it. Was it more of a collapse? Was it more of Kawhi? Bucks up 14 with two minutes to go in the third quarter. End up only leading by three at the end of the third quarter. I mean, that's a quick minute and a half run right there by the Raptors, which I know is impressive in itself, but the Bucks are not fluid. And if Giannis isn't on, they're really, really not fluid. I mean, Eric Bledsoe chucked up some ugly shots, a guy who was shooting absolute, absolutely horrible throughout the entire series. Chris Middleton, not much of a factor at the end of that third quarter. Um, so, honestly, the ball needs to go through Giannis, but they need some backup plans. It cannot. If there is a day that Giannis is off, and I know he was off four games in a row, arguably, um, they're going to need another option, and that's something that maybe they'll address this offseason. But uh, it looked like a collapse in Game 6 to me. Uh, I will give Kawhi a credit where credit is due, as I've been doing this entire show so far, and it'll be fun. I know people are excited to see Kawhi against this Warriors team, but again, the Warriors did sweep Kawhi in the San Antonio Spurs in a couple a couple seasons ago. Maybe it was last season. I've, I have no memory. I really tuned out most of the NBA season until the NBA Finals, but... Uh, We'll see. I'm I'm all in on a Warriors sweep, but I could see them maybe stealing a game. Yeah, I I don't see the Warriors sweeping here. Um, I think they're going to win the series, and I'll, I'll call it in six games. But wow. if the Raptors end up winning, wins. yeah, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be shocked. 
I know we, we keep talking about him, but Kawhi Leonard, I think on both sides of the floor here, he's going to be, you know, the difference maker in this series because there's, there's a couple interesting questions, Roz. First is, you know, who guards him? I mean, you look at Kevin Durant ruled out for game one. Um, doesn't seem likely that he's going to go to Toronto for game two. So I think this means the Warriors don't really have a guy, um, you know, that guarded, you know, LeBron James really that effectively in the last two finals to throw at Kawhi Leonard. So you can look at Andre Iguodala, who's a little banged up. Will he get the assignment? Um, you know, he's 35 years old. Is he going to be able to sustain an all-NBA-level defense over the course of, you know, a series or just an entire game? Um, you know, Warriors, they got Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. I think you're going to see several different Warriors, you know, on Leonard in this series. But I think crunch time, it'll probably be Iguodala. And then Durant, if he's healthy, it'll probably be him. And then the other side of the ball, you know, who does Kawhi Leonard guard? Because I think it's pretty easy to say, oh, he's going to guard Steph Curry. He's the Warriors' best player. Or, you know, does he match up on Draymond Green and try to throw the Warriors off the Curry-Green pick-and-roll that really carved up the Houston Rockets in the series clinching game six um, in Portland in the conference finals? You know, there really isn't a more disruptive defender in the league than Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, he, on, on both sides of the floor, I think he's going to be the guy to watch because he's going to have the biggest impact on the game. Um, you know, whether he plays really well or really poorly, the games are going to run through him and, you know, how he plays, I think, is going to determine how the Raptors do in this series. See, that's interesting to me because I don't necessarily agree. I think that to think... Really? Who, uh, yeah, right. Wow, me and you not agreeing. Pretty wild. Um to worry about who's going to guard him, not so much a concern or really going to be a big factor, I think, in this series. Because it's you have to keep up the scoring pace of the Warriors. At the end of the day, it's more who is he going to guard. And I think it's actually, this is going to be a hot take here. I think it's better Kevin Durant isn't on the court because it's obvious that Kawhi would guard Kevin Durant, and when Durant's on the court, it's more of an isolation game. So you know where the ball is. It's easier for Kawhi to kind of game plan for that. Whereas what we've been seeing, when there is no Kevin Durant on the court, you've got a more spacious, more offensively efficient team in the Warriors because I don't think he can guard Curry. I mean, maybe on the drives, maybe here or there, but I don't think you anybody can really guard Curry's three-point shooting ability. And on top of that, fine, maybe he is on Curry. Then you have Klay Thompson, another sharp shooter you have to worry about. It's the amount of threes they allow. It's the amount of threes that the Warriors ultimately will take that is going to be a big factor. I think it's better, like I just mentioned, that Kevin Durant's off the court because we don't really know where Kawhi is going to be able to be most effective on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll, we'll definitely have to see, especially with the fact that you didn't even mention this, DeMarcus Cousins is questionable for Game 1. Better odds that he plays than Kevin Durant in the first two games. And that talk about spreading the floor. Then you actually have a big body down low that if everybody on the perimeter is covered, you got a nice little dump-down effort. And again, Draymond Green's not prone to not drive into the lane. I mean, this guy will go to the hoop. And no better, no better passer, in my opinion, on that team than Draymond Green who will just kind of... Drop it off for big, big boogie cousins down low. So uh, Kawhi, yeah. Kawhi's not as big of a factor in my opinion. Can that team as a whole keep up? And that's that's fair enough. And I think it'll be interesting to see if Demarcus Cousins plays. What kind of an impact is he going to have out there on the floor? You know, if, if, from my perspective, you're the Warriors. You're, I think you're rolling here. Um, I don't know if you want to add another guy. I know Demarcus Cousins is when healthy, 
one of the best big men in the league. But, I mean, they, they did it before he was there. They've been doing it without him basically the entire year. Um, you look at Steph Curry's point totals the last five games, 37, 36, 37, 36, and 33. I mean, the guy has been on an absolute roll. And you bring up a great point. Can Kawhi Leonard, you know, maybe he can contain him, but can he actually stop him? I don't know. I mean, I don't think really anybody in the league can flat out stop Steph Curry. But one of the reasons the Warriors have been so lethal, you know, these past five or six years is all those weapons around Steph Curry. I mean, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, there's so much space on the floor. And for all of, you know, Toronto's length, versatility, all the game planning, Steph Curry could really vaporize all of that by just shooting lights out from three. You know, that's what really makes him so dangerous. Um, and do the Warriors, do they need Kevin Durant? I think it's definitely nice to have him. It changes the dynamic of the game a little bit. And I think it kind of settles the question of who Kawhi Leonard is going to guard. Um, so we get two games beginning in Toronto. The Raptors have not lost their calendar month. So let's say, you know, if the Warriors return to Oakland down 2-0 or tied 1-1, you know, you got to think that Kawhi Leonard played a pretty big impact those first two games. Um, but yeah, this, this will be, I think this will be a fun series to watch because you've got two of the best players in the NBA squaring off, put, put in Kevin Durant. You probably got three of the top four in the league or three out of the top five, however you want to look at it. But this will be a, this will be a fun series. And I think we're going to, going to get a couple guys who we haven't really talked about that much. who are going to play a big impact as well. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm looking at Danny green to have a big series for the Raptors. I think you're living in the past on the Danny Green train, although I did just pick him for a DraftKings team this week, uh, which, again, value right there. Like you said, he's no slouch when it comes to the NBA Finals. Steph Curry, the captain of my uh, DraftKings team. But we've got an iTunes question. We're going to do a couple more later in the show, but this one is tailored to the Warriors, and which I'll let you answer it first. It was totally asked of me, but since we're a co-host duo that – we have a lot of respect for one another. I feel it's fair that you get the first opportunity. Um, the question we got is from Helida Starr, and she asked, "Hey Roz, can you outshoot Clay Thompson?" Now, Wits, I know you know or you think of me as this amazing basketball player, this tremendous athlete, kind of a person you look up to. What would you say in this situation? Do you think uh, I could outshoot Clay Thompson? Well, you might be able to outshoot him by pure attempts because I have never seen you pass up a jump shot that you don't like, especially when it's from Carmelo Anthony range right inside the three-point line, fading away with two guys in your face. Um, so shot attempts, you might be able to take him, but I'll give uh, I'll give Clay the edge on points and performance because I know that, you know, you might you might score 30 points, but it'll take you 75 shots to get there. Hey, Kobe but Bryant. is there... Is there anybody better that you've seen with hands in his face? I mean, let's let's look at percentages. I probably have a higher percentage with hands in my face than an open shot. Oh, well, I mean, when you're, when you're shooting the ball 30 times a game in a, in a pickup game, you gotta you gotta drop a couple. I mean, even I could make a shot once or twice if I took as many as you did. All right, we'll see about that. I'm gonna go with the no. You know what? I'm gonna be modest today. I think Clay's got my number, especially. I just don't like the pressure of a wide open three. Like, I'm just picturing us standing at warm-ups, and we're just standing at a corner three, and we're both just chucking, you know, just going back and forth. I mean, we just saw that LeBron James took on that 14-year-old who was on his kid's team, and he won. I mean, you, these NBA guys could switch on a gear when they're just shooting around. So uh, I'm going to take the loss. I'm going to take the L. I like the question. I like the confidence we have in uh, our fans uh, listening to this show. But I'm going to take the loss here. Wits, who is – we're just going to have some fun with this one. Who is your pick – 
to win NBA Finals MVP this year? Wow, great question, Roz. Um, I'm going to keep it pretty vanilla here because I think this guy is the most important player on his team, Steph Curry. I think it's got to happen. I think no matter if Kawhi Leonard's on him or not, I think Steph Curry is going to do a lot of great things in this series. And not only is he a great player, but he's been here before, um, doesn't shy away from the bright lights. And even with Kevin Durant winning the last two finals MVPs, Steph Curry has been a really, has I think been the most instrumental part of the Warriors' success you know, ever since he got drafted. So with Durant looking like he's not going to play the first couple games and with the Warriors winning the series, I think that makes it a pretty easy decision for me that Steph Curry is going to win the finals MVP. Um, and yeah, it's pretty vanilla, but vanilla always tastes good to me. Yeah, this would be his first. He currently is the heavy favorite with uh, minus 140 odds. I got to tell you, Wits, I like the money on both these two guys. I'm gonna. I'm looking at Clay Thompson. He was gonna be my first pick at plus fourteen hundred. I think without Kevin Durant, if the Kawhi train is all over Steph Curry, you're really gonna need Clay to step up, and you need Clay to hit that like fifty nine points, like like thirty in a in a quarter. You're gonna need all that to happen. Although I did like there was like a Nostradamus pick that Draymond Green at plus 1,000 should be everybody's pick for NBA Finals MVP, that he is back to peak performance, and uh, I kind of could see that. I, again, this is, without Kevin Durant, there's a whole endless row of possibilities that can occur, and I, I kind of like the, first off, the value on both those guys, but they're, Clay's going to be my pick, but I, I like what I see from both of them, and I think that's going to be a huge impact moving forward in this Finals. Um, but, as I famously say, we beat the nail into the horse's head, Let's uh, let's move into some iTunes questions that we got. We do want to answer people because that is our promise to everybody. This is still in the basketball realm, wits, but I do want you uh, do want you to answer this because I have no idea how this is going to happen. We got from Sea Dog Twenty Nineteen. Enjoyed the show. How do we get the Lakers back on championship level? I feel like he's putting the responsibility on us with this question. Um, I'm all in for being hired as the next GM there, um, but what do you see? coming from this I mean they already have LeBron so how much more do you think this team needs I mean I, th I think they need a lot right now Roz you know the Lakers I think over the past year and a half have been I think the biggest disaster in the M NBA when you look at you know the promise of having probably the best player in the league in LeBron coming to that team and then the fallout with Luke Walton with Magic Johnson um, I think the main thing they need is another superstar because we've seen that you know, LeBron in the West by himself is not good enough to take on the entire conference. So they need another guy like an Anthony Davis. They need a big player um, You because know, a lot of these great teams, I mean, you need two really good players. And I know that you, you could look at the Raptors and say, well, I mean, Kawhi is the only you know, really top 10 guy in that team. But they do have a lot of pieces. Um, but the Lakers, they need another star. Because, you know, the, the pieces that they they filled around with LeBron this past year really didn't make a lot of sense. And I think we talked about that last year. You know, they're getting all these names in here, guys like Rondo, um, JaVale McGee, Michael Beasley, just to name a few. I know those aren't the biggest guys on the team. But what they did did not make a lot of sense. And I know they got the best player in the league. But they really didn't do much else. And they were pretty much in turmoil the entire season, missing the playoffs. Pretty unacceptable in my eyes. So I guess the one thing they really need is they need another superstar that can play alongside LeBron. Um, 
And that's the main thing. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going wrong with the Lakers right now, but they need another star player to, to go along with LeBron. Yeah, see, dog, I'm going to go with that as well. They need another star player. Uh, there's just the young talent on this team maybe isn't progressing the way we thought it would. You know, I, I don't have a whole lot of hope for Lonzo Ball anymore. Maybe that's throwing the towel in a little too soon. I like Josh Hart. I think that's a guy who's going to be a good role player. But at the end of the day, you need a guy like Kawhi, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. You need somebody else to compete with this Warriors team. Because even if Kevin Durant leaves, that Warriors team has won titles without him. So they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, yeah, star players. Basically what it is. And maybe pack it in on some of the players that you currently have. Um, Wits, we're moving on to basketball, like I said. But we're sticking to some questions. This is kind of a good segue, a sad and somber segue. We lost a couple of guys this weekend. Bill Buckner passing away at the age of 69. Famous Red Sox. Played 22 seasons in Major League Baseball. Um, and then Bart Starr. You know me. This is, uh, this is a hard one. This is a Packer. Uh, very important Packer. In fact, this was brought up. Mike Greenberg might have said it best. But he was the Tom Brady before there was Tom Brady. And what most people don't know is he won five championships in, uh, in an unbelievable stretch. I mean, winning the first two Super Bowls, winning three championships right before then. And I know people may argue that the NFL, AFL championships aren't as special or relevant as the Super Bowl, but I beg to differ. This is a guy who is one of the toughest. He has the best quarterback rating in playoff history still to this day. And we've seen passing ratings passed every year almost, it feels like. From Brett Favre to Manning to now Drew Brees, those records are always being broken. But Bart Starr still remains. He was 9-1 in the postseason, best winning percentage of any quarterback. Um, so this is why I feel this next question, although he's not in the question, it is tailored to quarterbacks and especially of the Green Bay Packer variety wits. But two minutes left in the game, final drive, down five. Who would you rather have at quarterback, Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre? Love the show, guys. And we got that from Chef Ed. That, that is a great question. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers here because I think, you know, in terms of precision and throwing the ball downfield, the play that really sticks out to me, think about a couple of years ago um, in the playoffs against the Cowboys, Aaron Rodgers rolling left, hitting. Who, who's the tight end? You got to give it to me here. I, I can't think of the guy. First off, rolled back. Oh, is in the playoffs? In playoffs versus well, hit the Cowboys. Jeff Janet. Is this against the Arizona Cardinals? No, this was against the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Jared uh, Cook. Unbelievable Jared pass. Cook. Toe that Toe that is, Cook. for me, is a play that stands out in my you know football playoff memory is one of the greatest throws, just greatest sequence by Aaron Rodgers that I've ever seen. Um, you know, Brett Favre, you know, we can, we can definitely go back and forth on who's got the better arm, um, but Aaron Rodgers, to me, is might be the most precise, just best passer in the league, you know, in the history of the league. So I, I would definitely give the ball to Rodgers. I think he's a, a little bit better under pressure. Um, Brett Favre, you know, as great of a player as he was, definitely had a tendency to throw it to the other team um, at the at very inopportune time. So I would have to go with Aaron Rodgers because I think he is just pure passer, just the best I think the game has ever seen. Yeah, this is uh this is a tough one for your boy. I mean, grew up uh loving the guy. Brett Favre is my favorite athlete arguably of all time. Love Aaron Rodgers to the moon and back, the captain of my squad now. I mean, let's be honest, we were just doing this this talk about Bart Starr. I don't think I'd have either of them if it was icy and we were on the one yard line and needed one sneak in. I'm gonna go Bart Starr every time. I mean that ice bowl championship. 
probably the most iconic game of all time. But since I am probably 70 yards down the field with five minutes or two minutes to go down five, it's tough, man. I've seen Brett Favre put the ball in some of the most spectacular places of all time. And you say the Aaron Rodgers-Jared Cook play was amazing. How about the Brett Favre to Greg Lewis over three defenders back of the end zone? He was a Minnesota Viking, so wasn't as glorious. But that was one of the best tosses I've ever seen. Um, but at the end of the day, for all those great tosses and for all the arm strength that Brett Favre has, which might be better than Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has come in the clutch with some of the biggest Hail Mary throws I've ever seen. So even if the drive isn't progressing and we might have to come down to a Hail Mary, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback do it quite like Aaron Rodgers has. I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers. I'll go Aaron Rodgers. It might just be recency bias, but uh, Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to be my quarterback. That was the hardest decision I've had to make in a long time. Uh, but we're going to go with that, Wits. And uh, there's some yeah, other questions. Uh, oh, so, Riley, we talked a little bit about before about you know Bill Buckner, Bart Starr. I know you talked a little bit about Bart Starr. I want to you know talk a little bit about Bill Buckner because Absolutely. I know I know that his legacy, a lot of it is defined by that ground ball that went through his legs. But I, I think people forget how great of a player he was and how great of a teammate and how great of a guy that he was. So I want to go over some of his highlights uh, here on the podcast because you know I think 69 is is just too young to lose somebody. Um, and I wasn't even really aware, you know, Bill Buckner, I feel like the last time I saw him was on that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where he catches the baby uh, after that woman drops him off the window. Um, so a lot, a lot of great memories there. Um, but Bill Buckner, you know, people forget that this man won a batting title, received votes for an MVP on five different occasions, um, and was really, you know, you look at guys, you talk about longevity in the league. Bill Buckner played for 22 seasons. Um you know, hit 311 that season in which he made his only all-star team and won the batting title and he hit 324. Here's another great stat. Never struck out more than two times in a game his entire career. Um, you know, you think about the game today, how many guys go up there and strike out three or four times a game over and over and over again? Bill Buckner never struck out more than 39 times in a season. Um so look at look at career games with three or more strikeouts. Adam Dunn top in the list at 173. Then looking at you know the top ever, Tony Gwynn one game. Bill Buckner the all-time leader at zero games um, for as long as of a career that he had was really a great player. And I think the great one of the great things about him is he actually returned to Boston in 1990. Um, you know after that 86 mishap in the World Series. So this is a guy who went through a lot, um, but he also gave so much back to the game. And, you know, looking at career hits, 2,707, I mean, there's there's not many guys who can hang their hat on, you know, 2,700 big league hits. And, you know, looking at 2,715 hits in his career, um, you know, 2,707 of them came in the 70s and 80s. And he's actually the only player with more hits in those two decades um, you know, was Pete Rose. So Bill Buckner was an absolutely phenomenal baseball player, and I think he's going to be missed by a lot of people in the game of baseball. So I think it's great that we get to remember him and all the great things that he did. So Bill Buckner, I mean, it, it's a very sad day for, you know, his family, Red Sox family, and he actually played a little bit for the Cubs as well. But I think he was a great ambassador for the game and especially you know, all that he went through um, with that World Series. So we're going to miss him. 
but uh, I think he'll, he'll definitely be remembered here. Yeah, it was a tough weekend for sports legends. Um, but let's move into happier days, and let's talk about his sport a little bit. We'll talk some Major League Baseball, as uh, I know that is your forte. You had a pretty cool run-in this weekend. Again, everyone, as we mentioned last week, you were in Florida this past weekend. Really uh, enjoyed yourself. Had a couple cocktails, I'm assuming, some beers here and there. Enjoyed the four-day stay. But you ran into some potential Major League Baseball prospects in the near future and had a, had a nice run-in. I did, I did. This was uh, a pretty cool end of my trip to Clearwater Beach in Florida. Um, so Sunday night, this is the day before uh, Memorial Day, so everybody's out and about, standing in line at the gas station, and there's about 10 people in line. There's a guy in front of me who's you know about probably 6'2 or 6'3, pretty tall guy, um, holding an energy drink. And I'm kind of just looking around, and all of a sudden two other guys come up to this guy, and they're talking about, you know, getting drug tested and that maybe you shouldn't buy this caffeine drink with 400 milligrams of caffeine in it, which is equivalent to about, you know, eight cups of coffee. And my, my mind started turning a little bit. I was like, I'm talking about drug testing. This guy's, you know, six, six, two, six, three. I'm like, what could they be talking about? So after a couple minutes, I just look at the guy. I'm like, Hey man, do you, do you happen to play like sports or anything? And he goes, yeah, you know, I'm a baseball player. And I was like, no kidding. Where at? Um, and he goes, I play, I play for the Braves. I play in high A. Um, and I'm like, wow, that is awesome. And, you know, actually, I played a little baseball myself, you know, trying try to make it conversational, you know, playing D3 baseball. I'd um, say baseball is the biggest fraternity sport. Not saying that you guys are fraternity guys, but of all, like, the sports, it's like a fraternity. You're all tight. You got the idea. You spit, chew, you eat seeds, and you hit balls. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm talking to this guy a little bit, and he's telling me, you know, I went to, he played at University of Texas. Um, he's in high A for the Braves right now. And then, you know, two of his buddies come back over, ask him a couple questions, and they leave. And he looks at me, he's like, hey, man, that's uh, it's Roger Clemens' son. And I'm just like, I've had a couple cocktails at this point. I was like, Roger Clemens? I was like, one of, one of the best pitchers of all time. So it turns out that, you know, they all went to Texas together. This was Casey Clemens. Um, and they were down there for the weekend. Casey Clemens, another guy they were with, played for the Dunedin Blue Jays. Um, so Dunedin, Florida. So they're up there. So we finally get to the front of the line, and Casey Clemens and his buddy, you know, join up with this guy again. And that guy turns around, real nice guy. His name Nolan Kingham. Um, turns around and he says, "Hey, Casey, this guy, uh, this guy played baseball too." So we started talking a little bit. Uh, I asked him what his dad was up to, and he said, "You know, he's hanging out, playing golf, doing a bunch of charity events." Um, so we're talking a little bit, and it was a uh, real nice guys. It was nice to meet him, and for me, you know, a baseball fan, meeting guys, even minor league players, um, I think it's really cool because you know, I, I have an idea of, of what it takes to get to that level, and I I saw so many great guys um, who weren't able to make it that far, so that was really cool for me. Um, and asked him about you know Ryan Barucki is a guy who you know played at a high school pretty close to where we grew up, so I asked those guys are from the Blue Jays. We talked a little bit about him. They knew who he was. Um, so it was a very, uh, very cool run-in. Um, walked out of the gas station, told a couple of my buddies, like, I just ran into Roger Clemens' son. So it was a, it was a pretty cool night, pretty cool guys to meet. Um, did, they, so, yeah. did he look like a guy who would take down a good amount of beer? He, he did look like that. I don't think he's quite as big as his dad. I think he was about 6'1 or 6'2. Um, but it was funny. You know, he told me he used to be a pitcher and blew out his arm and was actually a good enough hitter um, to get to the next level. So after Texas, he got drafted. 
and uh, now plays first base for the Dunedin Blue Jays, which are also a high single A team. Um, so definitely guys I'll probably start following throughout their careers. Um, and Nolan Kingham's brother, the guy who I first started talking to, his brother actually plays on a Pirates is a couple of years older, Nick Kingham. So very, very cool run and great story. It was great to meet those guys. And uh, yeah, hopefully they get up to the big leagues one day. Because, um, you know, you think about the Blue Jays, they've got all those legacy guys, you know, Kevin Biggio, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, but, you know, guys forget Roger Clemens' son is actually in the organization as well. So hopefully he'll make it to the show one day. Man, that would be a team. Craig Biggio, Vladimir Guerrero, Roger Clemens. You know, that's a nice little lineup you got there. Obviously, one's a pitcher. But, hey, I, I like the legacy work. I'm all in. I mean, my kids are going to be superstars one day. You know, they're going to be pro football Hall of Famers, pro basketball Hall of Famers. It's going to work out. They're just going to have to believe in the Rose legacy. You know, not the Derrick Rose one because I'm not as hurt as he was. Um, but, which. Give us some baseball rundown. We're not doing the power rankings because I don't want to put you through Witz's Corner this week. Um, what do we got going on in baseball? Anything? I know there's the headline with us, Drupal Herrera, who is now going to be most likely suspended for domestic violence. That's going to hurt. The Phillies a uh, pretty good team this year. Anything you could see long-term affecting the Phillies with this? Um, not really. I mean, Drupal Herrera... You know, he's been really good at points. He's been really bad. I, he's not a huge contributor for them right now. I think that they've got a lot of great pieces on that team. So, unfortunate event for, you know, the organization. And I hope, whatever you know, whatever he did, I hope it gets figured out. But it doesn't look very good right now. Um, I don't th think this will have a big effect on the Phillies. And, you know, I think they're still a top 10 team in baseball right now, you know, a 31 and 22. Um, I think they're finally starting to figure things out. They've got a very good staff, and I hope you know Aaron Nola has been pitching a little better as of late. So I think they'll be fine, especially in a division that I think is, is a little weak right now. I mean, you're looking at, you know, the Braves are doing okay, but, you know, the Nationals, the Mets, the Marlins, uh, there's not a ton of competition, not as much as I thought when the season started. So I think they'll be okay. Um, you know, the Astros are still killing it. I mean, this is the clear cut for me, best team in baseball. But a little bit of scary news. Jose Altuve, um, you know, went out of his rehab stint the other day. Still a little soreness in that knee. So hopefully he gets up soon. But, you know, the only thing I think that can stop this Astros team is injuries. You know, Carlos Correa, George Springer. These are all guys that have struggled a little bit in the past with staying healthy. So I think they're going to have some trouble there. And then, Roz, I know we've talked about the Minnesota Twins in the past but at 36 and 17 right now, this is an absolute powerhouse of a team there. The clear-cut leader in my eyes to win the AL Central because the Cleveland Indians, they are doing their best impression of falling off a cliff. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer not throwing well this year. This whole team not putting it together. Jose Ramirez still hitting under the Mendoza line. The Cleveland Indians are in a lot of trouble, and I think – we could see them as sellers at the deadline, which would be a very disappointing for an organization that was in the World Series just a couple of years ago. But, you know, the Minnesota Twins are on a record-setting pace home run-wise. Um, you know, eight homer, one eight-homer game in the past 55 seasons. The Twins have done it twice already in 2019. Everybody's talking about the offense, but Jose Barrios, Marty, Marty Perez, um, you know, they're pitching great. 
Perez is 7-1 and one with a 298 ERA. This is a guy who's got a 463 career ERA. So the Minnesota Twins, I mean, looking at the top three teams in baseball right now, I've got the Astros, Twins, and the Dodgers. And I think the Twins are they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, I think, come playoff time. Um, they're going to have to take down the Astros eventually. But that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing in baseball right now. There, there hasn't been a ton of changes you know, among the top five teams. But I love what the Twins are doing. I mean, they're, I think they're the best story of the year so far. Can we use this as a small space to rant about the Cubs pitching rotation? Looked great, looks bad now, has looked great. It's like a roller coaster. And then the bullpen that just doesn't exist leads me actually into my next question. Craig Kimbrell, still unsigned. Dallas Keigel, still unsigned. What, uh, what do you make of that at this point in the season already? I mean, it, it kind of baffles me, but obviously there's there's definitely stuff going on behind the curtains that I don't know about. Um, but you think that any one of these teams would pick up, you know, guys who have been dominant in the past. I would say Craig Kimbrell might bring a little more value. I think he's had a better overall career and has been more dominant than Dallas Keuchel. But Dallas Keuchel, he's had some years, um, you know, Cy Young, but he's also had some really bad years as well. So maybe he's looking for more money than teams think that he's worth. I think he'll get picked up eventually. But, yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point. The Cubs and their pitching and that bullpen, I would love to see them pick up a guy like Kimbrell because um, their they're bullpen, it's hard to watch. I do not think they pick up Keuchel. I think they, ha- they have enough starting pitching that if they all put it together, they could have the best rotation in the league, in my opinion, with the depth. Um, you know, Hendricks, Quintana, Hamels, Lester. Um, but, you know, they haven't. They haven't all put it together yet, and they've had a lot of consistency issues. But, you know, they're still 30-22. and 22. They're still playing some pretty good baseball. Um, but they're going to need to keep it up in this tough division because you've got the Brewers and you've got the Cardinals, um, who are at 500 right now. But this is a team that is not going to go away. They're not going to go quietly. They never do. So the Cubs are they're always frustrating, but, you know, they're still at the top of the division. So I think they'll be okay. Um, but, yeah, we've got, we've got to put it together a little more on the pitch side of things. And hopefully Chris Bryan, Anthony Rizzo, you know, Anthony Rizzo has been playing really well lately. So I hope they keep, they keep it up uh, along with Javi Baez, Almora, Jason Hayward's having a pretty good year. So I think the Cubs will be all right, but yeah, I think their offense is spoken for itself. They're just dinging the ball left and right. So it's more of this pitching that has been bothering me, especially since I'm semi watching this game while we're on the air right now, giving up six runs. They had a three home run second inning today that was beyond impressive uh but it's the pitching that has got me nervous obviously things can change at the all-star break is there any big piece you see dash have heard a little bit about moving at the all-star break i haven't heard a lot of sell stories like we have in years past especially with the whole manny machado and bryce harper sweepstakes is there any names that you have heard of that you are aware will probably be on the move come all-star weekend not I haven't really looked at anything yet. I think I've got a couple teams that I think might make a move, one of them being you know, the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, there's a lot of competition over there in the AL East with the Red Sox and the Yankees. But you know, so far through 50 games, I mean, you know, this team is definitely in it. The Yankees are at the top of the division right now, but I think they're going to make a move. Um, you know, I could see the Oakland Athletics making a move for somebody. They're always a, they're always a team that I think you might see um, you know, make one of those deadline moves. Because, you know, they were really good last year, and right now, 28 and 25, uh, I think they're going to need a couple more pieces to make the postseason. 
So no players in mind at this point, but those are two teams that I think you're going to see be buyers at the break as opposed to being sellers. Um, you know, I talked about the Indians. I think they're going to try to dump some pieces. And, yeah, you know, right now I, I see a lot of teams standing pat, but, you know, things are going to change over the next 30 games. So I think we'll get a better idea as we get closer to the break, you know, what teams are going to buy and what teams are going to sell. Sounds good to me. I'm uh, I'm always buying. It feels like it just seems like money is constantly falling out of this wallet of mine. But uh, that's all we have for this week. We have exciting news. We've got Tori Christ coming on. She's a former soccer player, now a coach at Boston College. Um, so we'll be talking to her as FIFA Women's World Cup is coming up very soon. Uh, we love our USA team, and we're going to root, root, root for them to win it again. They beat Japan obviously four years ago. Um, so we're looking for a repeat, which seems like FIFA World Cup repeats have to be one of the harder things to do. I don't know what the competitive nature of this year's cup is going to be. I don't know if there's any new superpower teams in the women's sports. But I know the United States always has a fun team to watch. Japan, a very talented. Finland, a very strong team this year as well, I've heard. Uh, but yeah, that's coming up. And uh, Wits, any parting words? I mean, we, we keep wanting these iTunes reviews. I hope somebody calls you out for something. That way uh, I'm not the only one competing with Clay Thompson when it comes to it. What are, uh, what are your last words this week? Yeah, so I want to talk, my, my final story today, I want to talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup Finals. Wow. Stanley Cup Finals, excuse me. Um, Bruins took game one, four to two, over the St. Louis Blues. But we've got a, a really great feel-good story here, Roz, that – you know, I think no matter what the sport is, I think sports are, are something that bring people together. Because um, you look at how many people, like ourselves, look up to professional athletes. Um, so I want to give a shout out here to Blues super fan Layla Anderson. Talk a little bit about her story. Um, Layla is an 11-year-old girl who's a huge fan of the Blues, and she's battling a rare disease called HLH, um, you know, which is a systematic inflammatory syndrome. Um, so she's battled her disease for a long time, has gone through a lot of treatment. And, you know, she talks about the Blues being her favorite team, saying, you know, that they've been my inspiration the entire time. And she kind of feels like, you know, they've been inspired by her as well. Because if you look back at the Blues season, uh, they were in last place back in January. So, you know, the run that they've had to make it to the Stanley Cup final, it's been absolutely unbelievable. And she's made a lot of great friends on the team. Um, and even got to attend, you know, the game three conference final game against the Sharks. So that's a really great story, I think, coming out of the NHL. And it really shows you the bond that you know professional athletes can have with just about anybody. So I think, you know, I give a shout out to Layla Anderson here. Um, this is a great story. And hopefully the Blues can take it home for her. And uh, we'll definitely be rooting for her and the Blues. Right. Uh, this would be the only St. Louis team I'm, uh, I'm going to root for. And this is, like you said, a great story. So I'm excited for what the outcome may be. Um, but that's all we've got today, everybody. The NHL will uh, we'll work on our knowledge in that area. The Boston Bruins we're really rooting against because the whole city of Boston doesn't need another win for almost a century, it feels like. Uh, but this has been the opening line with Wits and Roz. We've enjoyed having you guys on today. We're on Spotify, Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. We're super excited to keep growing with you guys. Keep leaving us iTunes reviews, and uh, we'll be sure to get back to you. 
Once again, this has been the opening line. Everybody enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and the rest of your week. We'll be back with you guys shortly. Have a good one. What up, Mary? All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.